learning about value investing for a while now, but you still don't know how to value and evaluate businesses on a deep level. I've been there. Just like you, I've struggled because every value investing resource you'll ever learn from tells you you need to value and evaluate business on a deep level. They don't actually show you how to do that. In this series of videos, we're going to show you exactly how to do that from the preliminary analysis level all the way to the end of the analysis. My name is Jason Rivera and welcome to Value Investing Journey Case Studies. Hey, Jason here. Today's video, we're going to talk about why you must, must read companies' financial reports um, and why you cannot just rely on the numbers. Um, before we get to that, this is going to be an, kind of an ongoing series during this coronavirus panic. Uh, I'm going to be doing case studies on companies I'm researching. I'm researching stocks at a furious pace um, for the first time in five years. So... These are real-world companies that, I'm, that I've researched that you're going to see in, the, in these videos in the coming weeks. So I'm trying to research, or I'm, I'm, first I'm researching companies for the first time in five years. I haven't researched much over the last five years other than for students, like the trans students, um, and going through financial statements that way. I haven't read personally in terms of me looking for an investment in about five years because valuations have been sky high on assets worldwide. With the recent and still ongoing crash uh, due to the coronavirus and oil price war and treasury yield and all this craziness that's going on right now, valuations are getting to the range where things are becoming undervalued. Uh, individual companies are being becoming undervalued. So I'm re trying to research companies as fast as I can. My process is in-depth and detailed, which you've likely seen before in our other case study videos. If you haven't and you're new, I'll link some of those below. Um, my process is I do a really quick scan. I go one by one through companies. I do a really quick scan on like Morningstar, for example, and go through my preliminary analysis checklist. Just kind of as a visual look, I don't calculate anything out. If something passes that, then I do my actual preliminary analysis checklist where I calculate everything out to see if uh, it's undervalued, debt levels, all that kind of stuff. Then I start reading financial statements after that. With markets being down 30 to 40% as of this recording, for the first time in a long time, you may be tempted, and I, I was for a, a short time tempted, to buy something just based off extraordinary numbers on Morningstar. But again, I force myself, even though I'm excited, not necessarily excited, but want to research as much as I possibly can as fast as I can so I can find great opportunities during this market crash. I even thought about just go basing on the numbers, just doing smaller position sizes, basing them on just kind of things like book value and cap value, stuff like that. Today, I want to illustrate why you need to read financial statements. Even if you're looking at a book value, a company selling below book value, a company selling below and cap value, stuff like that. I want to illustrate why that is. So I'm going to take you to my notes. Okay. So this is a real world company that I've evaluated uh, just over the last couple of days. I'm not going to say the name of the company, frankly, it doesn't matter. 
but I'm going to go through my, these are my actual notes that I take. I have three sections that I take in my notes, general information, um, things of note, and red flags. General information is exactly what it is. General information about the company, what it does, how it operates, stuff like that. Things of note and the red flags are the two more important sections because these have most important things that kind of catch my eye. So here's the first one. They pay, this company pays their executives and directors an enormous amount relative to the profits of the company. So as of this, or as of this, including executive pay and director pay, they paid 21.1 million AED to executives and directors. And this is 18.7% of profit. That's an absurd number. Again, I want to become enormously rich. I want to everybody to work towards becoming enormously rich. I want to, and I am working towards becoming wealthy. So I have no problem with people earning money and making money and doing as much as they can. But when it comes at the expense of shareholders, that's when I have a problem with it. And this, because it's profit directly comes from shareholders. That's an absurdly high amount. I don't, frankly, I've seen some crazy amounts in the past. Um, and I've talked about some of them on the blog but I don't think I've ever seen almost 20% of profit. Um, and I'm going to check the market cap right now to see what this is in the market cap because I do not remember. Actually, I have that in my other notes. Oops. Not those notes. Where are they at? And I, I need to say this. There's a company name. Um, again, I doubt you'll even look at this, but when I'm going through financial statements, I'm looking, I'm not reading, or once I get to the financial reports, the annual reports, quarterly reports, proxy reports, I'm not reading those reports to confirm my kind of initial thesis or even to find great things about the company. I'm looking in the financial reports for red flags, things that should disqualify this company from being investment. So that's kind of what caught my eye with this company. Um, in terms of their market cap, it's a small portion of market cap. It's 21, let's see, let's calculate it out. It's 3% of market cap, not a huge amount. I've seen companies up to 25% of the market cap, which is just, again, absolutely absurd. This, this high payment is more of just a personal preference of mine that I don't like. I'd rather this money be going to shareholders directly via buybacks or growing the company or something like that. This is more of a pet peeve of mine. Some of the stuff we'll see down here though is major issues with the actual company and how they account for their numbers. So here's a big one. 
this is a different accounting um, term, adoption, pronouncement. I don't know what the exact terminology is, um, but it's something the IFRS has instituted. And this company is using it. To me, it doesn't look right. Again, I'm not an accounting expert. I don't pretend to be an accounting expert, but if I see something that I haven't seen before, it's usually not a good thing because I've read hundreds or thousands of financial reports at this time. So if I see something that I haven't seen before and this I haven't seen before um, to this degree, it raises alarms. Um, okay, so the most important parts are the parts in between these red or these uh, blue air lines here. The group also elected to use the recognition exemption, exemptions for lease contracts that at the commencement date have a lease term of 12 months or less, blah, 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 blah. So what this means essentially, and we'll see it down here um, further down in the notes, is they are using this accounting IFRS number 16 to move some of their assets and some of their liabilities around on their financial statements in terms of how they're used, how they're presented. If you haven't read the book Financial Shenanigans, you should. I've read it twice, uh, both the original version and the 25th anniversary uh, edition. This is one of the things he talks about is even if this is 100% correct, which again, I, I don't know, even if their kind of understanding of this is 100% correct and I was doing what they're supposed to be doing, let's give them the benefit of the doubt, say they are. We'll see down here that it makes an enormous difference in their financial statements in their favor. When I have a general rule, if a company changes accounting, how they account for things, even if they're, again, even if they're legally supposed to and legally proper way to do so, if they get an enormous positive benefit from it, it's a major red flag for me because it makes it look like they're doing something they shouldn't be doing. If they, if they were doing things, I want, I want companies to account in the most conservative way possible. I don't want them to benefit from their accounting um, in kind of a gray area. I want them to be conservative as possible, and I don't want them to benefit from kind of accounting shenanigans and movements. It makes me uncomfortable. Um, again, could they be doing everything completely legally and by the books here? Yes, possibly. I have no idea. Again, I'm not an accounting, uh, a forensic accounting, accounting expert, but just as a general rule of thumb, it makes me uncomfortable because it makes it seem like they're doing something they shouldn't be doing. And that is shown here. So this is the change brought on by the by this IFRS number 16 rule for the company. So as of the end of the year 2018, they had almost 109 million AED in operating lease commitments. Because of this change, they now only have show 43 million. That's an enormous difference of what, 60% about, in their favor. That 
is a major red flag to me. Again, they could be doing everything legally, they could be doing everything by the book, but it makes me uncomfortable. It makes it seem like they're not doing what they should be doing. If this was right in the past, but it's not now, why were they doing things differently? And why are they doing things differently now, especially when it's in their favor? Yes, I know laws change. Yes, I know regulations change. Yes, I know rules change. Um, but again, it just makes me uncomfortable, especially after reading the uh, financial shenanigan shenanigans books a couple times. Okay, so those are big things. These combined, or those combined with these that we're going to see here in the red flag section, are an even bigger deal to me. Okay, the group can elect to classify irrevocably its equity investments as equity instruments designated at fair value through OCI when they meet the definition of equity under that accounting standard uh, number 32. Financial, financial instruments presentation and are not held for trading. The classification is determined on an instrument from an instrument basis. So what does this mean? This is a horribly written sentence that's pretty much impossible to understand. So what does this mean? The keywords here are fair value. So this company has, let's say they have equity investments on the stock market and they are, they on the books are determined at fair value, but they're not held for trading. These two combined do not make sense. Again, yes, I know regulations change and Berkshire Hathaway just had to make uh, massive changes, I think last year or the year before, to how things were accounted based on new accounting rules. But the, in the past, accounting rules, they were, they were held at book value unless they were for trading. Then they were, then they were designated at, um, I think, market value. Again, I know this has changed. I don't think it makes any sense, especially if you've seen over the last 30 days, 40 days, the market swings wildly. So this could literally transform your entire company doing it like this. I don't like it. It doesn't make any sense. Um, let's see. And then what was this one? This is another one. Subsequent, subsequent to initial recognition, investment property is stated at fair value. To my understanding, unless you're holding it for sale, investment property should be held at book value on the balance sheet. So again, unless something new has changed, I'm less or I'm I'm less sure about this one because I'm pretty sure this has changed recently. I don't think this has changed. Subsequent to initial recognition, investment property is stated at fair value on their books. Should be at book value. Unless they have sold it or unless they are selling it. Should be at book value. So that's a red flag. This as well. The reason this is important is because they can, if they are recognized at fair value, if the if they think the property value has gone up, they can recognize that as a gain on their statement of profits, or they can recognize it as a loss, which they probably would never do unless they're forced to, 
um, they can always keep saying it's going up, up in value to increase the perceived value on their balance sheet and the value, value of their company. And here's another one. Gains and losses on the disposal, disposal of investment property are determined as the difference between net disposal proceeds and the carrying value of the asset on the date of disposal. So the carrying value is book value. Disposal proceeds is the sale price net of things like transaction fees, taxes, stuff like that. So, but up here, they're talking about fair value. It doesn't make sense to down here be talking about carrying value when up here they're talking about fair value. Those are two completely different things when it comes to accounting rules and regulations. So, and then there was, I think I, I might've missed it. Let's see if I can find it. There was another part in this company's financials that made me completely uncomfortable, essentially that they, um, they could, recognize the value of their assets essentially based on their judgments which every company does but they don't want to out explicitly say essentially this is at our judgment and because <laughs> they again just like the example down here they can essentially say whatever value they want Granted, they'll probably be in kind of a gray area based on accounting rules and regulations, but I don't want my companies to be in accounting rules and regulations gray areas. I want them to be conservative estimates. I want them to be way away from kind of a legal gray area. Um, I don't even want them to be close to that area. So, uh, where was it? I must have missed, I must have not put in my notes. Um, so. But that's, this is an example of why you must, 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 must read financial statements. This company's numbers on Morningstar and in its financial statements by itself are fantastic. Off the, off the charts, actually. I think if I remember right, they're 20, 30% operating margins, which is absolutely insanely high. Um, very good. This is why you must read financial statements. This, these things combined, if there were just one of them kind of by himself, maybe I would let that pass. But these things combined make me uncomfortable. Again, are they doing anything necessarily illegal? No. Are they doing ne anything necessarily immoral? No. Are they doing necessarily things necessarily kind of badly, quote unquote? No. But it makes me uncomfortable. When I can't trust... 100% that the financial statements and reports I'm reading show that the company's management has all shareholders' best interests at heart, I don't buy in the company, no matter what the opportunity is. Uh, and you, you can figure that out by reading the financial statements. If you come across things, if you've read dozens, hundreds, thousands of financial reports, they pretty much all say the same exact thing, other than the numbers change and the kind of risk, risk change, but they all pretty much have the same wording. If you come across stuff you haven't seen before or doesn't make sense, it's probably not a good thing. Again, I know accounting rules change. I know legal legal things change over time. But some of this stuff in here 
even though it's uh, some of the stuff in here that is kind of a red flag for me is personal preference. Some of this stuff I haven't seen before. And it doesn't make sense based on the wording. So, again, I want to emphasize this. They're not necessarily doing anything bad, illegal, immoral, whatever. It makes me uncomfortable how things are worded in the financial statements. And as an outside investor who doesn't have access to the internal books at the company, all I have to rely on and all you have to rely on is the financial statements and the financial report. If you can't be comfortable with the financial reports and what's in them, you should never buy the investment. No matter what the opportunity is, no matter what the upside potential is, no matter what the kind of book value and undervaluation protection and margin of safety is, in my opinion, you should never, if you can't get comfortable with the financial statements and the financial reports, buy a company. If you can't trust and 100% trust that they make sense and that they are doing things right. Does that mean there's no risk? No, there's always risk in any investment, but you should be 100% confident in your decision. You shouldn't be kind of like, eh, this is maybe, you should be 100%, I want to buy this right now because X, Y, and Z, I'm comfortable with red flags or potential red flags or potential problems, X, Y, Z, or ABC. Um, there's always risk. This doesn't mean there's zero risk. This means you're comfortable with your investment thesis and that you trust the management. Again, this is why you have to read financial statements. This is why when most professional investors don't read financial statements, it's scary <laughs> because there are massive red flags you can find in financial statements that you can't see just based on the numbers. So um, I hope this helped. I'm going to be doing more videos like this, uh, probably even more positive ones than this on companies I'm going to be investing in. We're going to do masterminds, live videos, all this kind of stuff while we're dealing with this uh, coronavirus craziness and most of us probably being locked indoors. So we're going to be doing more of this kind of education and training and case studies and all this kind of stuff. Uh, so if you liked this video, make sure to like, love, share, uh, comment, and subscribe, and hit the notification bell so you're notified anytime we release a new video. If you're listening on the podcast or anywhere else, thanks so much. And make sure to do the same thing, like, love, share, subscribe, retweet, whatever. Um, I want to help as many people as possible all the time, but especially during this panic that we're dealing with so people don't get it taken taken advantage of so i want to drill down deep and help you understand investments better so you can make better and more rational decisions so thanks for watching have a great day talk soon